Now from Studio A, he's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. From Northern California, it's Lifeline with Andy Froyland. Well, as Wilson would say on Tool Time, Heidi Ho, good neighbor. <laughs> Welcome to, I know this is not Tool Time. Welcome to Lifeline, Andy Froyland in for Craig Roberts. The rest of the week, he's going to take some time off. I imagine there's some things that he'll have to build for the Christmas presents that he got. You know how it is. I, I, well, I mean, I know how it is. I've got five girls. Craig doesn't, but I, here's, here's, here's the, oh, let's see. All right. So there's a, a 16, no, 18 foot trampoline put together. Check. GoPro with uh, all of the settings and the SD card put together. Check. Uh, a dollhouse or, well, actually it was a, it was a diner, wasn't it? Yeah, a diner. A diner for the, uh, oh, you know, those those dolls. Yeah. Put that together. Check. And then uh, help out with the, the, the fort. We got these panels. My wife and I got these panels for the girls for a fort. Uh, so, you know, uh, the thin panels, I think it's made out of cardboard. It wasn't all that expensive, but man, it was fun. All these panels, you can make a, a heck of a fort. I mean, you know, forget pillows and, uh, seat covers and seats and blankets, man. Well, we got a full blown fort going on down in the great room in our house. So, so yeah, uh, Craig is out probably putting some Christmas present together or something. In the meantime, it's you and me, and I've got a good show lined up for us tonight. First off, let me tell you what comes up in the uh, 6 to 7 o'clock hour. Hour number two of the show tonight, Matt Fretwell will join us. Uh, This is a guy, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but over the last couple, three years, this past year specifically, there's been a resurgence for church planting. And and we'll talk about the difference between planting and transplanting, where you, you know, you just take a bunch of Christians from one church, move them to another location and call it good, as opposed to going out, finding people who are living in a dark and dead, dying world, dead in their sins, and uh, building a church out of redemption, right? So anyway, Matt will join us. And if you're, if you've been with me, over the past few years, as I have filled in for Craig, as I had the show, and then now as I fill in for Craig a couple, three times a year, at the end of the year, I love this time of year. It gives us a chance to look back and reflect on the year that has been, and then look forward and reflect on what could possibly be in the next year. And so over the next couple of programs, we'll do that. We'll talk to some folks about what's happened in the past year uh, in regards to their specific field of interest and what to look forward to. If you know me, you know I'm passionate about missions and church planting, and they kind of go hand in hand. Half dozen one six of the other more often than not. You're an evangelist, a missionary, you plant a church. That's usually what happens. I have a couple of friends in third world countries. They're evangelists, they're missionaries, and they're out planting churches. And they're using all three of those to build up the body of Christ, to build up the bride of Christ, right? So, Matt will join us in hour number two talking about church planting because there's between uh, um, NAMB and a few other organizations, there is a growing resurgence of church planting and an interest in church planting. 
and what that looks like. So we'll talk about what has happened this past year. There's been a lot of exciting news about planting new churches, new work. Uh, and, and, and again, not just taking Christians from one church and starting another church with those same Christians. You're just transplanting, right? No, this is, this is evangelism on the highest level. All right? So Matt will join us, hour number two. The reason I start with hour number two is because I want to keep you around for a few minutes, because I know what hour number one is going to be like. Quite polemic. But I beg you, please, please stick around. I, 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 I humbly request you stay with us because I know the minute I, and, and you're already, you're, you're, I can see your wheels turning. You're, you're in traffic going, oh, I know where he's going. I'm going to tune out. Please don't. I, I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know just how divisive this can be. But I also have clarity of thought on some things. And I've ran across an article written by a gentleman who is able to really succinctly lay out what it is I've believed all along but have struggled in in communicating. 38 years in radio, and I still have a hard time communicating sometimes. But once in a while, you run across a guy who's got it all dialed in, and it just makes perfect sense. Again, I don't ask you to agree. I simply ask you to sit and listen and consider. And, uh, you know, I'm going to respect you at the end of the day if we disagree. Uh, we can, on that level, we can agree to disagree. But it's, it's another view of an issue, a subject, a topic that is very important and germane to our lives today. The President of the United States. <laughs> and there they go. We see Jarrell. We just lost half our audience. Uh, I, I, honestly, I hope I hope you don't. It is not our intention to offend. It is not our intention to uh, intention to really defend, as much as to propose another view that oftentimes is overlooked. And uh, and I know I, I have many friends who still, and they're still my friends. I have many friends who will look at me askance and go, really? You're on board with this guy. Did you see the tweet he just did? Oh, my gosh. Did you see the tweet? Holy. Yes, I saw it. I, you know, I, I face plant into my palm. Oh, man. Yeah, yes, I get it. I so get it. But that said, that said. You cannot deny. I mean, let's just take a look. Ten of the things that he has accomplished in spite of himself and in spite of the serious opposition by those in the Democratic Party, those in the Never Trumpers, in spite of all the opposition and uphill battles he's had, let me just line out some of the things our president has accomplished in just in the last year. Tax cut bill. Huge. And in fact, uh, Friday, if you'll stay Friday here on Lifeline, I've got somebody who's going to join us. He's been a financial advisor for almost 30 years. The guy is a voracious reader. He is steeped in what he does. And I have oftentimes, I've, uh, this man I've known for over, uh, well, uh, for 30, 
28, 28 years. I've known Frank for 28 years. He is one of those Josephs. Whatever he touches turns to gold and for the glory of God. He is a godly man who has been a financial advisor, and he has served uh, the folks uh, that come to him for advice extremely well. In Joseph fashion, not for his glory, he has no shingle, uh, he is, he's obscure, he doesn't like the limelight, but he is wise beyond our years combined, and he is just smart when it comes to financial advice and a pulse beat on our our current financial culture. Uh, why has the stock market gone crazy this last year? What can we expect in the year to come? What are some of the telltale signs? How is this tax cut going to affect us? You and me, the average guy out on the street. Frank is going to join us Friday and talk to us about the year 2017 and what's ahead in 2018 from a financial perspective, all right? He will give us the... Uh, the bird's eye view, if you will, on what we can really expect from this tax cut bill. Uh, what does it look like uh, from from a financial perspective, from a financial advisor's perspective? All right. But anyway, back to let's just we're just looking at, say, 10 things that the Trump has done in the last year. The tax cut. Neil Gorsuch can confirm to the Supreme Court. Biggest early victory. Right. Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme Court. That is just phenomenal. The Senate has confirmed 12 of Trump's federal appeals court judges in the year 2017, a record for president's first years in office. And they are all extremely conservative and very constitutional in their, uh, in their view of, uh, uh, of justice, right? Number three, the rollback of regulations. Man, he has turned back a ton of regulations that have restricted business in the U.S. You often wonder why corporations go overseas. Well, it's because it's cheaper, number one. Number two, they don't have the regulations that just hogtie them. And we, yes, regulations can be good for, for, for uh, corporations. Uh, don't get me wrong. And Trump is not just stripping everything away. He's just stripping those things away that hogtie a corporation from from benefiting both those who work for the corporation and the consumer. So you get a win-win. The travel ban. Declaring Jerusalem. This is huge. Declaring Jerusalem the capital of Israel. He's not even declaring. He's even come out and said, I'm I'm, I'm not declaring. I'm just acknowledging what already was. And something that our Congress and Senate has already approved years ago. The withdrawal from the Paris climate deal was, say what you will, about uh, global warming, global cooling. Uh, it, it costs billions of our dollars to fund countries worldwide who care less about the air they breathe. They just want our money. And it's, a, it's just a huge ripoff. Pulling out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, rolling back some of Obama's Cuba policies, moving to repeal Obama's net neutrality rules, which is big if you like free internet. Well, at least not to pay for sites like Facebook and Google and all those others. And uh, ISIS. Uh, fighting ISIS. Pretty much a done deal. They've been turned back. So, yes, uh, just a look at some of those top ten. So when we come back, 
When we come back, uh, Evan Sayet will join us, a uh, conservative pundit. You can read him on townhall.com. He's, uh, he's got a book out. Uh, he lectures all over the place, but he has a very succinct reason why Trump is where he is. And it's not because he is political. It's not because he is uh, gentrified and all of the things we expect in a president. But there's a reason behind it, and he'll tell us when we return. Right now, a quick check of your traffic off to the KFAX Traffic Center for a look at your commute. And now back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And welcome back. It is Lifeline, Andy Froyland here tonight. And my first guest this evening, uh, I, I ran across him actually uh, about a week ago, a little less than a week ago. Uh, if, if you're like me every once in a while, you'll like to, uh, go visit townhall.com and see what, what's, uh, who's saying what and, and what's being, what's going on. And, uh, I ran across Evan say it and an article he wrote and I, I read this thing and I thought, oh, this guy knows how to articulate exactly what I've been thinking and why. And I know that there are a lot of you out there because I get your emails and I get your phone calls and you go, how can you do this? Well, I've, I've invited Evan to join us tonight on Lifeline to talk about this and to show you why uh, I, I, I voted for Trump a year ago and why I still stand by the man I voted for. I, I know all of the arguments, and we've talked about this. You have plenty of arguments. Evan is able to cogently bring to the table precisely what comes up once you boil it all up. And, uh, and, and so we're going to talk about it. So if you'll stick around for a little bit, we can either uh, raise your blood pressure or get you thinking, or both. Either way, uh, it's not going to be a very dull conversation tonight here on Lifeline. So, Evan, thank you so much for taking a few minutes of your time and joining us here tonight on Lifeline. Good to have you with us. It's my pleasure, Andy. The only thing that disturbs me is 30 years in the business, and you just discovered me last week. I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, you know, here's, here's the deal. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest and frank with you. Uh, Wanda Sanchez, my producer, uh, she's on vacation this week, so I'm flying solo. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, better late than never, right? That is true, and I'm sure she knows who I am. Oh, if, no only, if only she weren't on vacation. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so so for our audience who does not know who you are, give us a thumbnail sketch of Evan Sayet. Oh, my. I, I guess just for the purposes of this, um, I'm a, a speaker. I speak to places like the Heritage Foundation. I'm a political philosopher. Uh, in fact, my lecture to the Heritage Foundation on how the modern liberal thinks. Uh, is, is the single most viewed lecture in their entire history. Uh, and to get this, I mean, Ronald Reagan would go and speak there. Margaret Thatcher would go and speak there. And yet it's my lecture on how the modern liberal thinks and why he rejects fact and reason and sides always with evil, failure, and wrong uh, is the single most viewed lecture in their entire history. That became my book, The Kindergarten of Eden, How the Modern Liberal Thinks. Right. Uh, so, and, and it's really a mishmash. I say I'm in the conservative thought industry. So sometimes I, I produce my thoughts in articles like the one you came across, sometimes in speeches, sometimes in books. Uh, and, and the mishmash of these various ways is, is what my career and my, and my responsibility and my duty is. 
Now, you are also um, a comedian, are you not? I am. I am the nation's leading conservative political comedian. Uh, that's something I returned to when I became a conservative and realized our side didn't really have a Bill Maher for the right, didn't really have a John Stewart for the right. And so I became that person. Very good. And now we have you tonight here on Lifeline. So the article I ran across that really spoke to me and I, I got excited about because so often, 38 years in the radio business, and I still have a hard time communicating once in a while and articulating exactly what it is I'm thinking and why. Uh, and so when I run across an article that really cogently lays out in, in short order what I believe, I, I, man, I glom onto it. And I'm thinking, oh, I've got to get this guy on. Your article was simply entitled, He Fights. It was for your leftist friends and ardent never-Trumpers uh, who are constantly, like me, uh, bothered by the fact that you and I would uh, still stick by Donald Trump. Uh, so let's just start there. What was it yeah. that really got you into thinking about this and coming up with this idea of, of why you need to address it? Well, as you know, how often we do hear things, even from uh, conservatives that, that we respect and, and, and Republicans, uh, and of course, the other side, uh, attacking that, that Trump wasn't uh, statesman-like, uh, that, that his tweets and other behaviors were beneath the dignity of the office. And the truth is, I do want a president who is dignified. I do want a president who is statesman-like. But there's a the recognition that we have tried to be the party that does the right things. I mean, we, we, we tried uh, collegiality. Could there have been a person who, 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 who cherished collegiality more than John McCain? Uh, we tried dignity. Could there have been anybody more quietly dignified as he took the outrageous slanders that he did time and again than George W. Bush? Right. Whatever you think of their policy. These were people who attempted to be statesmen-like. They attempted to be dignified. They attempted to be collegial. Could there have been a nicer human being? And again, forget whether he stuck specifically to your conservative values or, or not conservative values. But could there have been a nicer human being than Mitt Romney? Yeah. And the outcome was always the same. We always lost. All right. I mean, George Bush won the presidency, but there was hampered throughout the rest of the presidency because he was not going to lower himself to the kinds of slanders and attacks and meanness that were the regular stuff of the left. Right. And so, so when along came Donald Trump, you know, my, my friend Ben Shapiro made such a great point about the Romney-Obama campaign. He said in, in that election, both campaigns accomplished exactly what they wanted to accomplish. The Romney campaign succeeded in portraying Obama as a good and decent family man who happens to be stunningly incompetent. The American people bought that. Yeah. But the Obama campaign succeeded in portraying Romney as, as a gay-bashing, animal-abusing, woman-hating, evil, rich guy who gives people cancer for money. And when the American people has the choice between incompetence and evil, they rightly chose incompetence. Right. And so long as we continue to be dignified, so long as we continue to be collegial, so long as we continue to be nice, we are going to lose because we're up against people who play by no rules other than Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, which is how to destroy your opponent. 
Doesn't matter whether it's true, doesn't matter whether it's kind, doesn't matter whether it's it's all so, these rules for radicals and, and, and the mentality of the Chicago machine and the Chicago mob. And so when Donald Trump, you know, I, I, I have an expression, there's a line in that article. I say Donald Trump is America's first wartime president in the culture war. Exactly. See, the left has been fighting this culture war since the 1960s, and we have not been fighting back. And you have different qualities that, that you expect and that you desire in a wartime president or in a warrior than you do in, in a, in, during peacetime. You know, in the article, I pointed out how Patton was not the nicest human being, and there were things that he said and he did that in peacetime uh, might have seen him stripped of rank or drummed out of the military. But had FDR done that, we would have lost World War II. Right. You know, you go back to, to Lincoln and Grant, who was supposedly this heavy drinker, and that behaviors might well have seen him stripped of rank or drummed out of the military. But had it been, had Lincoln done that, we would have lost the Civil War. And so there are different qualities you look for, and I wish we were in this environment where we could be statesmanlike. But as Barack Obama himself said, this, the left sees this as a knife bite. Yeah. And up until Donald Trump, not only were we bringing a gun to a knife bite, we weren't even bringing a knife to a knife fight. Yeah. Yeah, we we weren't bringing anything. And and I, I, I tell you what, we're going to take a quick time out. We've got to do a traffic check. But when we come back, I want to talk about this culture war. Uh, because right now I can imagine a lot of our listeners are going, what culture war? I mean, yeah, there's there's things, but how how is uh, uh, how's Trump going to win the war on racism? And how is Trump going to win the war on these issues that are close to my heart? So uh, hold your, hold your uh, hat right there. Take a quick time out. We're off to check traffic pay some bills, and come back with my guest, Evan Sayet, uh, from uh, from an article he wrote called He Fights, a marvelous look at why Trump uh, needs to stay where he's at and what the benefits are of all of this. All right? Off to the KFAX Traffic Center now with a look at your commute. And now back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And we are back. Evan Sayed is my guest tonight here on Lifeline. I'm Andy Froyland. We're talking about uh, Trump. Yeah, I know. I, I know many of you are just <laughs> squirming in your seat if you're still with us. And thank you for sticking around. I know. I've got a lot of friends who just, they look at me with uh, with a queer eye going, you're just off your rocker. Well, there's reasons why I'm off my rocker. And as I mentioned a, a bit ago, Evan Sayed has a brilliant way of saying why I'm off my rocker and really not off my rocker, but just really thinking through these issues. And, I, and I've, I've mentioned it in times past, but I've never been able to cogently sum it up as well as Evan has here, and that's what we're looking at. Uh, Evan, as, as we left off, we were talking about the thought that uh, there is a wartime and we have a wartime president. What is so unique is that this is the first time we have a wartime president where, and yes, we're involved in skirmishes. We've got uh, North Korea knocking on our door. We, we, you know, we had ISIS and we've got all this stuff in the Middle East. But the real war at the heart of it that brings forth a president such as Trump, and I think this is, I, I think is, I think there's an awful lot of people who read your article and thought the exact same way as I did. Oh, somebody who who gets what I've been trying to say. Uh, this is a culture war. 
Uh, talk to us a, a, a moment about the, the difference between this culture war, why it's so unique. And it's the first time really in American history we've had to have somebody fight this unique kind of war for us. Yeah, I mean, up, up until the 1960s, there was very little difference between the mainstream left and the mainstream right on the most important issues. Most obviously, and most essentially, is America good or is America evil? Basically, up even to John Kennedy, the presidents on both sides believed America to be good, believed communism to be evil, believed Nazism to be evil. And we, we basically, well, we believe Christianity to be good. We recognize our Judeo-Christian heritage. Uh, and, and so the differences were, were really in degree. How much should income taxes be? Uh, but it wasn't the issue that it became in the 1960s. It has gotten worse with each successive generation for reasons I explain in my book, The Kindergarten of Eden, How the Modern Liberal Thinks where you now really have the one side uh, that, that takes a knee to curse America, and the other side, our side, that takes two knees to thank God for America. And if you believe, as the left believes, that America is the greatest evil that has, that has existed, your job then becomes to undermine America at every turn. Whereas if you believe, as we believe, that America is the greatest gift the world has ever known, then you do everything in your power to continue and preserve and conserve the things that make America great, which is why we call ourselves conservatives. And, and so it's really the first time in our history that we don't have two patriotic sides that have a different set of policies to better America. You've got one side that wants to strengthen and improve America, and you've got to conserve America. And you've got the other side that wants to undermine America and weaken us. And if I may, there's a very simple reason why the left so despises America. And it's because if you are so open-minded that you are not willing to recognize any culture, any person, any behavior, any familial status, uh, any, anything is better than anything else. If all cultures are equally good and equally right, then how do you explain America's success? Right. If America is nothing special, then not only is our success unjust, but given that we are the most successful nation in all of human history, the modern liberal has no choice but to conclude without a moment's thought. It's simply a given that we are the cause of the greatest injustices in all of human history. And President Obama was asked point blank, do you believe in American exceptionalism? And he gave a very clever, very politic answer in which he said yes, but then quickly made clear that he meant no. Yes. What he said was, yes, I believe in American exceptionalism, just as I'm sure the Brits believe in British exceptionalism and the Greeks believe in Greek exceptionalism. In other words, America isn't exceptional because of our exceptional constitution. We're not exceptional because we're the only Judeo-Christian nation on the planet. We are not exceptional because of our, our capitalist system. We, he only thinks we're exceptional because he lives here. If he lived in Greece, he would think Greece was exceptional. If he lived in, in England, he'd think England was exceptional. If he lived in Syria, he even told us how exceptional he thought Indonesia was. Uh, but again, if he is right, if America is not exceptional, then how is one to explain our exceptional success? Right. It is, I can only be 
the exceptional injustice. And by the way, this also explains the, the singular hatred that the liberal has for the Jews of Israel. How could you possibly look at this liberal democracy that has everything that is a liberal you could want? I mean, they have gay pride parades. Uh, they had a woman prime minister all the way back in the 1960s, yeah. surrounded by the most misogynistic, homophobic, xenophobic, hateful, violent, religious extremists, and single out the Jews for, for economic strangulation. What, how do you explain their hatred of the Jews? And it's the same explanation as their hatred of America. It's not because they're bad, it's because they're good, it's because they're successful, it's because this little tiny Israel is, is, is a miracle with uh, symphony orchestras and Nobel Prize winning scientists. If there is no difference between Judaism and Islam, then how do you explain the difference in the lifestyle of the Jews and the Muslims in, in, in the Gaza Strip? Exactly. There are two possibilities, either there's something special about Judaism, but since they can't believe that, the only thing they're allowed to believe is that the Jews must somehow have stolen their success. And the only reason the Muslims are failed is because somehow they've been victimized. Right. Which, and, and again, uh, as, as I listen to you, Evan, I can't help but think, how did all this get started? Where did we come up with this, this ethos that success, capitalism, and all this is bad? Uh, what is it that fosters and nurtures this kind of thinking that would actually get uh, uh, Obama into the presidential office and, and, and drive our nation down that road? All right, you, you've got to take a moment, and this is really quite stunning, so, so I want everybody who's listening to let this sink in. Not since the Garden of Eden, and if you're not a believer, it doesn't matter, not since man climbed out of the primordial ooze, has there ever been a time or a place like America post-World War II. Right. Every other human being who ever lived, Andy, didn't matter what era, it didn't matter what region, it didn't matter what family they were born into, every other human being except us lived in a world with communicable diseases. The modern liberal was born to a world without communicable diseases. Which one? Smallpox vanquished, chickenpox vanquished, polio vanquished, the measles vanquished. Right. Every other people who had ever lived at any time in any place lived in a world where there was famine and hunger or at least the threat of it. But if you were born into America post-World War II, not only is there no such thing as hunger, but my goodness, if you find a dollar in the street, you can have a five-course meal by going to the 99-cent store and buying mm -hmm. a TV dinner. Yep. So there's no hunger. There's no disease. Poverty, I mean, real poverty, I mean, the kind of poverty that exists still in places around the world. If you were born in America after World War II, there was no such thing as poverty. Right, to call somebody impoverished today makes them actually richer than a king or a czar or a pope. People who were born into this garden of Eden, you live in this world where, where nothing bad can happen, then the right answer to everything is, is, is the utopian answer. War is not the answer when there is no evil on the planet. Um, open borders is the answer when crime and disease don't exist. And, and so on the one hand, you had these people who were born and raised in this utopia who do not understand that bad exists. And the reason they have it so good 
is because in the past, right and wrong, good and evil, better and worse, truth and lies were recognized by the great generations and vanquished and defeated by their choices. Now they reject those choices because those threats don't exist. Right. Evan Sayed is my guest tonight here on Lifeline. The article, He Fights, can be found at townhall.com. He is also the author of the book, The Kindergarten of Eden, How the Modern Liberal Thinks, available wherever they put uh, ink to paper. You can get it off Amazon, Google, name it. It's all out there. Uh, Also uh, a a great lecturer at the Heritage Foundation, um, as well as other places. Uh, He's our guest tonight on Lifeline. We've got him when we come back from our... uh, a profit-making moment, which we're going to do right now. Off to the KFAX Traffic Center. Here's another look at your commute on this Tuesday evening. And now back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And we're back. It's Lifeline. Andy Froyland in for Craig Roberts tonight. Evan Sayed is my guest. Uh, as mentioned, he is the author of the book, The Kindergarten of Eden, How the Modern Liberal Thinks. Uh, he is a lecturer, author, and uh, a, the the... the, the the paper we're looking at tonight is called He Fights. Evan Sayet, our guest tonight. Uh, EvanSayet.com, by the way, and that's E-V-A-N-S-A-Y-E-T.com, EvanSayet.com, for more information on our guest this evening. Uh, Evan, we're just uh, working through this paper that you wrote and the fact that we are in need of somebody like Trump in spite of, and like you said at the beginning of our time together today, yeah, there are things I disagree with Trump on. His his tweets are, oh, really? You got to do that again? <laughs> I just cringe when he tweets more often than not. That said, there is he he doesn't play by the conservative rule book as much as he he actually has kind of adopted Al, Al Solinsky's uh, playbook, hasn't he? So, yeah, Solinsky is Solinsky, especially yeah. in taking on yeah, especially in taking on the leftist media, and you know you you look at the tactics and and Alinsky says you 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 make it personal. So the one thing that he the first thing that he did instead of complaining about the media in general. He made it personal to CNN. Right. Uh, then he froze them because they only had two choices at that point. When he pointed out CNN as fake news, they had two choices. They could go high, as Hillary falsely said of her own campaign, and just start honestly reporting the news. The problem with that is if they honestly report the news, it's the end of the Democratic Party. <laughs> Imagine if they had honestly reported Fast and Furious. Imagine if yeah. they honestly reported Benghazi. Imagine if they honestly reported the IRS being weaponized, uh, uh, the government used as a weapon against political opponents. Imagine if, if, if there are so many. Imagine if they told the truth about Jeremiah Wright and his church. Yeah. Uh, so they couldn't go high. And they couldn't stay status quo because they were getting their behinds kicked. And so the only choice left to them was to double down on their hysteria, double down on their attacks, double down on on their fake news. And in doing so, they just made it twice as obvious that what Trump had been saying all along was right. He forced them into unforced, well, it's kind of oxymoronic, but it caused them to, to, to engage in unforced errors. Time and time and time and again, they had to uh, retract their fake news. They rushed to get on in their frenzy. And it's just been a winner for, for Donald Trump. 
And so if these are the things that, that I'm upset about. I'm upset about his tweeting, but he's exposing the media for the corrupt leftist propaganda that it is. That's a victory I'll take. Yeah. You know, and, and if he's going to finally move the embassy to Jerusalem, because right is right. And, and all of those didn't want to cause trouble. They didn't want to be seen as anti-Muslim. They didn't want to. He just did what was right. Yeah. You know, you look at Nikki Haley in, 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 at the United Nations. <laughs> and meanwhile, look at the unemployment, including minority unemployment. Black unemployment is at a 17-year low. Why did Obama do that? You right. know, why did, no, it, it, it's really not huge things that, that Trump's doing. He's, he's, he's cutting regulations. Well, we should. Yeah. We should, you know, and, and so I am very happy to win this war, even if sometimes I have to cringe. Right, exactly, because there is a war, and, and it, war is never pretty, war is never kind, and war is never nice. And this war, at the end of the day, is really about our society as a whole surviving. We lose it's this war, we lose a lot, don't we? It's, it's existential, and we were, I, I believe we dodged a bullet in, in electing Donald Trump. That had it been Hillary and four or eight more years of this anti-American slash utterly corrupt leftist regime, a, a third Obama term, I, I, I think we were probably too far gone. I yeah. think we dodged a bullet. But here's, here's the good news. The good news is that good people... Good people are always slow to the fight. We don't want to fight. We've got other things and better things to do. The truth is that we're the true liberals, live and let live and coexist. Number coexist is in order to coexist, the other side has to let you exist. Yeah. If you coexist as you, as you march slowly to your death, that's not coexisting. Yeah. So we, we don't want to fight. We've got better things to do. We've got families. We've got jobs. We've got community. We've got God. But once we do fight, we fight and we win. Yes. So we were slow to World War One, and we were slow to World War Two, and we were slow to the Cold War, and we were slow to the Culture War, and we won World War One, and we won World War Two, and we won the Cold War, and now that we're fighting, we will win the Culture War. I I am so gr- well, and and all you have to do is look at the track record of Donald Trump just in his first year uh, to see uh, the the tide has changed, hasn't it? You know, it's going to be very very difficult having gone to the extreme as the left always does. Remember, Bush was Hitler, and Reagan was Hitler, and mm-hmm. Rudolf Giuliani was Hitler, and Mitt Romney was Hitler, and now Trump is Hitler, and here we are, a year in, into Hitler's regime, and everybody in America's life is better for it. Yeah. Everybody has a few more dollars in their pocket. Everybody had a better Christmas uh, season this year, sales-wise and joy-wise. You know, you, you, ISIS is, is defeated. I mean, the world is a better place one year year into Donald Trump than it was eight years into Barack Obama. But how do you get somebody on the left to acquiesce to that, especially when they're so vehemently opposed to the success of America? Well, here's the good news again. Here's another piece of good news. America is not divided in two. We're divided in three. There are those of us who get it, who get that the better exists, that America is exceptional, that Judaism and Christianity are exceptional, and, and, and we vote 
Democrat. I'm sorry, we vote Republican. We work to conserve the things that make America great. Only on the other side are some very loud and powerful voices, uh, academia and uh, the entertainment industry. And But the vast majority of the people who vote Democrat aren't voting Democrat. They're voting against the Republicans hmm. because the left has so succeeded in demonizing us that there's nothing the left has said or done that they like or agree with. You know, they can look around Detroit and see what, what Democrats have done to the city. They can look around Baltimore and see what Democrats have done to the city. They can look around Chicago and see what Democrats have done to the city. But the left, using the media and the entertainment industries, et cetera, has so succeeded in villainizing us, uh, they'd rather vote for their own failure and misery than, than vote for the Republican. Hmm. And so the answer is we've got to st- uh, step up and start talking. In the entertainment industry, we've got to stop being cowed and, and, and afraid we're going to lose our jobs. In schools, you know, professors have to speak up because they've succeeded in, in cowing us, in threatening our jobs, in threatening our families, in threatening our livelihoods, in threatening our, our uh, income, et cetera, et cetera. They have so succeeded and we cannot continue to allow that to happen. And that's one of the great things about Donald Trump is when they called him a racist, he said, I don't care what you call me. When they called him a sexist, I don't care. You're going to call. There was a great sign at the Tea Parties that would pop up periodically. So it doesn't matter what this sign says, you'll still say it's racist. Well, given then that it doesn't matter what you say, they're still going to call you racist, and you might as well just ignore what they're saying. Hmm. Go out there and stand up for what you believe. Exactly. And, you know, we used to we used to have a term for Bill Clinton that he was Teflon. Uh, I, boy, I tell you what, uh, Trump brings a whole new meaning to Teflon, doesn't he? <laughs> I, I think I think Trump's going to go down in history because, to be honest with you, it's not that difficult to make America great again. No, just ignore the left and do the right things. Cutting taxes is the right thing to do. People pay too much to a wasteful government. Cutting regulations is the right thing to do. There are people who have never had a job telling people who have jobs how to do those jobs, and and that's just not how you make America great. Just do the right things, and this president, with the exception of those tweets, keeps doing the right things. Evan it, my guest here tonight on Lifeline. His article, He Fights, can be found at townhall.com. Do you have it on your site as well, Evan? Uh, yeah, it's so embarrassing, but no, I didn't put it up on my site yet. <laughs> All right. Well, you'll find a whole bunch of other goodies on his site, which is evansayit.com, E-V-A-N-S-A-Y-E-T.com. And uh, I would imagine you can pick up your book there as well, right? You can get my book there. You can see two of my most famous speeches there. You can see some of my stand-up comedy there. It's all there except this article. All right. I will remedy that. There you go. Again, uh, evansayit.com is where you can go. Evan, thank you so much for spending some time with us tonight here on Lifeline. It's my pleasure, Andy. Merry Christmas to you and your listeners. And you as well. All right, folks, off to the KFAX Traffic Center and another look at that commute of yours this evening.